You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. This is Turn Knowledge to Profit, where entrepreneurs like you find the insights, experience, and tools they need to earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live a life others only dream of. Now, here are your hosts for Turn Knowledge to Profit, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors, Janelle and Michael McCauley. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Turn Knowledge to Profit. I'm Janelle McCauley, and along with my co-host, Michael, each week we bring you the insights, ideas, and tools that you need to earn more, make a bigger impact, and create the freedom to live a life others only dream of. You're going to want to take notes, so grab a pen and paper, and let's get started. This week in our Business Builder segment, Michael and I will be talking about the importance of using stories in your training and coaching to create connection with your clients. That's up in a bit in our Business Builder, so stay tuned. First up, it's our success interview. Today we are talking with leadership success coach and best-selling author, Tracy Quinn. Through her company, Quintessentials, Tracy has helped hundreds of individuals around the world realize their full potential and achieve the next level in their success. We're going to be talking with Tracy about how entrepreneurs can create a larger vision for their business and lives and how they can break through their fears to become more confident. And I'm also very excited that Tracy is a new managing director for our Orlando, Florida chapter, which is very exciting. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, Janelle. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about our conversation on so many levels because I think um, fear and feeling confident and all of those things women especially struggle with. But before we get into that, I always love to ask our guests to share just a little bit about their business. How was it started and how has it evolved over time? Well, that's a great question, Janelle, because I have spent my entire life um, chasing the rainbows of success, um, looking for the approval of others, thinking that what's, behind, what's beyond is going to bring me happiness and peace and some sense of purpose, but I found I was always living in a state of uh, frustration. Work had always been about proving myself, uh, looking for that next review, the next promotion, more money, acknowledgement, and so forth. Uh, I defined success by my paycheck title on my business card, and by those standards, I've always been successful. And I think a lot of people go through the same process. Um, unfortunately, years of constant drive have really taken a toll on me, um, but I still continue to work harder and push harder. Nearly on the brink of burnout, I was emotionally drained, physically tired, seriously stressed, um, but I continue to push on, mm-hmm. looking for a path, anything that I could do to allow me to build something that's truly great and enjoy a lifestyle that supported, supported my greater level of balance, vitality, and well-being. I also um, desperately wanted to be engaged in work that would enhance the quality of lives of other people, mm-hmm. and my years in corporate just did not allow that for me. 
I wanted to find a way to use my time and my talents to fulfill a greater purpose. And what I learned after more than two decades in corporate America is that our culture is really based on lack. You know, we're never good enough, we're never powerful enough, rich enough, safe enough, or relevant enough. And I, I went through so many years just thinking, first thing when I get out of bed, I didn't get enough sleep. And as soon as I hit my head on the pillow at night, I think about what could I have done more that day. And all the hours in between were just spent on trying to be extraordinary. And I learned that over time, corporate mindsets um, have really shifted uh, mm -hmm. from focusing on profit, and they forget about the, the people make the difference. I witnessed firsthand a few years ago um, just how detrimental this could be, where a company focuses on profit and profitability over people. I had been working on a five-year transformation as a corporate leader, and mm -hmm. at the Every single year, we were forced to cut the bottom 10% of our workforce so that we could show profitable results. And I had been through this process five times in, with my group where I had ended up turning over people that were on this core transformation program. Wow. And regardless of that, this team continued to work. We survived four years of grueling work, 80 hours plus a week in a toxic environment, um, enduring overwhelming stress, and just trying to meet unrealistic expectations. But against all odds, we did deliver. And that team barely took a breath when I was asked to eliminate eight of the most amazing people from that team. And it was at that moment I decided I just cannot do this anymore. I realized that my values weren't aligned with the company, and honestly, they weren't aligned in many, with many companies because I think a lot of corporations feel the same way and, and act the same way, focusing on profit. Mm -hmm. So I made a decision that day to leave corporate America for good. Wow. Um, I spent the next year um, really focusing on my own journey, um, which is ultimately what turned into my business. But I spent about a year and a half um, training with Jack Canfield, who wrote the Success Principles and Chicken for the Soul series, and um, really understanding and learning about myself and then also um, learning about how to um, teach these principles to other people and ultimately incorporating them into my business. I learned that my passion has, is really about teaching entrepreneurs and corporate leaders how they can achieve their personal and professional and financial goals. I, I really love to inspire teams um, and individuals to achieve their greater success and teaching them how to up-level their efforts their alliances, their relationships, um, their attitudes, their behaviors, and so forth. So I took everything that I have learned about myself throughout this journey and things that I have learned about um, how to really change the mindsets of people, um, which I think is the number one thing to growing um, a very strong business, um, mm -hmm. as well as my 20-plus you know, years of business experience, and incorporated it into one business called Fun Essentials. And that's really how it all began. Wow. You know, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to us thinking that, you know, they want to transition from corporate to becoming an entrepreneur. And it's often hard for people to figure out even where to start. Um, I admire you for saying, okay, the values aren't aligned. I can't 
do this anymore? Because that's a big decision, especially when you're giving up income, you're giving up kind of everything you've known for all that time. What was the biggest challenge for you in making that transition? Um, I would say the biggest challenge was fear. I think I've actually been, I'd consider myself fearless my entire life, but um, I did have fear in that. I, hadn't, I had no plans. I had no job. I was actually in the middle of buying a house, um, and I was going through the mortgage process, um, and I quit, so I had no income. And ironically enough, I still got that house, which I, I <laughs> still am not sure how that happened. I manifested that. Um, but, you know, it's, it was really... I had no support. I, I really had nothing. And, but I took a leap of faith. And about two days after I resigned, um, I called uh, one of my ex-colleagues um, from years ago, and we decided to, to do this joint venture together, this partnership, um, to build mm -hmm. something great. Um, and I also got an email from Jack Canfield, who I'm sure he sent it directly to me. I'm kidding. It was <laughs> you know, an email that I had been on some list somewhere, but it caught my attention, and mm -hmm. I did not hesitate. He had a workshop coming up the next month. I did not hesitate. I booked a flight, booked a hotel, and before I even talked to my husband at the time, and just went for it. Um, but, you know, not having an income, it, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for that or, or what was going to happen, but I just, I just took that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think you often, you have to do that. I think when you absolutely say, I'm ready, you know, when you're ready, the teacher will appear. I really do believe that. And sometimes you have to let go of something to be able to grab what's next. Always, Sandra Nancy always talks about the visual of, you know, letting go of, you know, you're swinging on the, the bars and you've got to let go. You can't catch the other bar until you let go of the one um, because you, people say they want it, but they're holding on to that safety net. They're not they're not letting go. So how did you overcome your fear? Because I know a lot of people um, have a fear. And I, I personally believe that a lot of times the things we fear are going to happen, the odds of them all happening or happening at the level that we think it is are not as great as we our imaginations can make it. But how did you work through that fear so that you could keep it from paralyzing you and you could actually get into action. Right. Well, ironically enough, I, you know, I've always considered myself extremely successful. And when I went into Jack Canfield's first workshop um, back in the summer two years ago, I, mm -hmm. I thought I was going there to learn his tools and techniques and to go out and do everything that I had set out to do to train people on success principles. I had no idea that I was broken at the time. And that was, mm -hmm. I had a lot of limiting beliefs and roadblocks that I had to get through that I didn't even know was there. So I spent um, really a, a, a several months looking deep within myself to try to understand why I was the way I was. You know, I, I've always been fearless and going after and setting high expectations and, and reaching everything I set out to do. I, I've mm -hmm. always been able to manifest things. But what I didn't realize is that there was there was a connection between my past and where I am today and what my life looks like today. Mm -hmm. um, and so going through some 
you know, mindset, some, some different exercises and so forth to understand that connection um, was critical. Um, I grew up, when I was younger, I grew up in an environment where I was filled with fear and pain. I had uh, abuse started at a young age. I was bullied every single day. Um, I was ashamed. You know, we, we lived on welfare and project-type government housing, didn't know who to trust. Um, and ultimately, I really was desperately always wanting to fit in, and I never did. So, and this is, you know, four, five, six, seven years old. So mm-hmm. those clear messages are driven so deep into my psyche that I wasn't important, I wasn't valuable, and I wasn't lovable. Um, but I really quickly, as a child, learned how to push that down, mm-hmm. and I fought back by, you know, having these other um, perfectionists come out trying to prove that I was always perfect and always did everything mm-hmm. right um, and those sorts of things. So even though those memories were buried and I had forgotten mm-hmm. about them, um, that seven-year-old in me was still running the show. You know, she was determined to keep those messages alive and really forcing me to prove my worth mm-hmm. and do whatever it took um, to get people to love me. And so even though I had this burning desire to succeed that had enabled me to always achieve a great deal, that little girl in me sabotaged any chance I have for true greatness and reaching my fullest potential. Hmm. So that is where I think once I uncovered that and dealt with that, I've been mm-hmm. able to really push through. Interesting. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's really easy, you know, when you take where you are now and look back, but when you're in that moment in that time, it's really difficult to connect the dots to see what you're supposed to do. But you have a lot of experience. You have a lot of different things you've done. You know, you were really successful in spite of all the things that you were up against. So I love the fact that now you're really stepping out and learning to, you know, trust and really see how everything has come together to really put you in this place where now you can take what you've learned and share it with others to help them reach their dreams and their goals. Yeah, it's an amazing process. I mean, every time I thought I was okay, I'd have my breakthrough and think I was perfect now or you know, better, mm-hmm. I, I would fall deeper. And this, this process took me a long time um, to get through. But, you know, with the coaching and support of other people um, mm-hmm. and surrounding yourself with amazing, compassionate, um, loving people, you can get through it. And you, you, it's amazing how different you, you are when you're able to break through and, and take a different mindset and look at things differently and put things into perspective. You know, stop being the victim. In my, in my mind or my world, I guess I was the victim, but I didn't remember it. I just, you know, set out to be never depend on anybody else and to be mm-hmm. awesome all the time, but not knowing why. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Um, we need to take a real quick break, but when we come back, I want to continue the conversation, and I'd love to talk a little bit about um, limiting beliefs and roadblocks and how people can maybe start to identify that there might be something in their way and they really need to seek out um, assistance. So we'll continue that conversation after our break. You want to stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. This is John L. McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. 
Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Are you a coach, speaker, or author who would like to finally earn what you know you're worth? Would you like to create a life that gives you more time to do the things that you love? Entrepreneurs like you hire us to turn their knowledge into a full range of scalable products that earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live the life others only dream about. With our done-for-you approach, we do all the heavy lifting, creating the right products for you, your clients, and your business. The potential is limitless. If you want to leverage your time so you can earn more while working less, visit us today at TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com and find out just how far your knowledge can take you. You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Janelle McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. Today in our success interview, we're talking with leadership success coach and best-selling author Tracy Quinn. And we had a great conversation before the break, so if you missed it, you want to go back and listen, where she talked about how she spent over two decades in the corporate environment and when she got to the point where she realized that her values and the corporate values weren't aligned, she just decided she couldn't do it anymore. And it's fascinating because, you know, Michael and I know a lot of people from our corporate life and, you know, a lot of them are still in the same place. They complain about it. They don't like it. They're not happy, but they're still there year after year after year. And I love the fact, Tracy, that you said, you know, enough is enough and not knowing where to go or what to do, but I love the fact that things just started to come together. Now, you had to do the work, which, you know, people think that, you know, there's a magic pill or a magic answer, and there is not. But, you know, I'd love to shift our conversation just a little bit and get you to talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned it before the break, about limiting beliefs and roadblocks. Because I think people, we hear about that, and I believe Everyone has got them, but people don't realize it. How do you get people to see that there's something in their way, something that's holding them back? Well, I just want to reemphasize the importance of uncovering your limiting beliefs and your roadblocks. Um, knowing yourself and respecting your values is so important, and I don't think people realize that. Um, you're, you're 
fundamental beliefs and your principles govern everything that you do, the way you think, the way you act, um, the way that you interact with other people, uh, which is definitely going to prevent you from reaching your fullest potential. Um, it defines mm-hmm. our ability to understand and take on new ways of thinking. Um, it shapes the languages that we use to communicate. So really, the better we know ourselves and the better equipped we are to make necessary changes and become a positive influence on others, which is, I think, what every entrepreneur um, is, is striving for. Mm-hmm. So to know that you even have limiting beliefs, I mean, it, it's very, the easiest way to think about it is if you say you can't do something, um, then you have a belief that's embedded in you somewhere about why you can't do something. Or, uh, you know, so an example might be, you know, I can't, I can't quit my job because I have, um, it's the only way that I can make money. Mm-hmm. You, that means that you were taught as a child that you have to have a job to make money, which is just not necessarily the case. There are lots mm-hmm. of ways to bring in money in, uh, into your life without necessarily working at a job that you hate, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, people have limiting beliefs about money in general. Money doesn't grow on um, trees is the one that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when you have those beliefs, then you're going to continuously attract more of not having enough money through the law of attraction uh, mm-hmm. because you're not thinking um, positively and bringing what you want, bringing abundance and bringing love and bringing happiness into your life because you're thinking about what you don't want. I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, no, it does, and I think, um, I think it's really important for people to understand that because uh, I hear people say all the time, well, I can't do that. It's too hard. There's too much competition. And I personally believe that we can all complement and not compete. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that the more you share, the more you give, the more things open up for you. Um, and, but, but that's, I believe that there's enough out there for all of us. And I think that I, I actually wish more people would really believe that and share and not hold so much close to the vest and really, really believe that there's so much potential. But like we talked about earlier, you have to be willing to receive it. You have to let go of what you're holding on to to be able to open up the space to take in more, to receive more, to be more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was speaking about this earlier as far as what I saw in corporate, but it's actually what I see everywhere is um, this, this lack. Everybody believes that we're all in competition for the same thing. But in reality, not everybody wants the same thing, and there is so much potential for us to, to build, dream, you know, invent new things to solve mm-hmm. new problems. So there's, there's always ways of bringing more into your life if you, first of all, ask for it, believe you can have it, and then be open to receiving it. And I agree with you that if, if, we could, if that's the one thing that we could get the world to change, mm-hmm. we would have such a better world for us. One of the things that, that I love about you Women Network is 
the mission, and it's creating a community of one million women making one million dollars in annual revenue. And it's interesting because for years and years, there's only been, you know, two percent of the million dollar earners are women. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that they don't believe they can do it. They believe that they can. Um, you know, only either take care of a family and do certain things or they can build a million dollar business. They don't believe they can do both. And I, I really do believe that we can do whatever we set our minds to. Um, I, we talk to a lot of people when um, Michael is talking to them about creating products, programs, or services, and I know you and I have had this conversation. We, they say, but I have to work one-on-one -on -one with people. I can't, you know, I can't create a program because I can't, they, I have to do everything for every person. And we really challenge that belief because I believe that to, to leverage a business and to grow it, you've got to be able to leverage your time and not work just one-on-one -on -one because there's not enough of you to go around. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and how you've leveraged, you know, products and programs to grow your business. Yeah, I, I agree with, with what you said about women not thinking they can do it. Um, so I think most people starting on out um, as a new entrepreneur, they absolutely are doing everything. And if they have a coaching business or, you know, whatever they're doing, they're, they're doing the selling, they're doing the back office work and so forth, and that's natural right when you start. But it very quickly comes into you don't have enough time in order to get everything done, and you're also trading your own time for dollars. So I did the same thing. I started out with business consulting because uh, it's what I knew, and then mm -hmm. you know began to incorporate some of the success principles to build out other products um, that are really more group focused. Because that way, I have um, group trainings, I have workshops, mastermind groups, and so forth that really allow me to broaden my reach. And, and impact more people. That's my mission is to help as many people as I can um, grow their businesses and, you know, grow their, their lives. So, you know, being able to, to build um, online products or workshops or group training, those sorts of things really helps um, remove yourself from the one-on-one the -on -one process where you, you can only handle a few clients at a time. Um, and the second thing I'll say is, as far as women and, and just their fear of not being able to do it, um, mm -hmm. I think women, eWomen Network is such an, an amazing opportunity. I'm so glad to be a part of it, um, primarily because I fundamentally believe that it takes a village to do anything. You can't mm -hmm. do it by yourself. And right. women have to get out of their own way. They have to accept that they don't know everything and they can't do everything, myself included. You know, I, I um, and, and augment that with people uh, who love doing whatever it is that they're not good at or don't mm -hmm. like to do. And also, networking, networks like eWomen Network or smaller mastermind groups, those types of things are so critical because you can learn so much from each other. And I think, you know, that's one of the ways that I like to serve people is, is to help bring women together and help um, then start communicating and sharing knowledge and sharing what they've learned without the fear of, oh, my gosh, somebody's going to steal my idea if I tell them or right. they'll, they'll you know, copy what I'm doing. You know, flip the mindset to the more you help other people, 
the more you'll get back in return without even asking for it. And I absolutely agree with that. And it's interesting when, um, when Michael works with clients and he's helping people um, and walking through an assessment of their business, it's amazing how many people have free products and all this information and intellectual capital that they're giving away because they don't understand how to package it. They don't understand how to put it together in a way that really can serve people. And I also believe that you've got to have a value to what you're offering because if, if it's free, people don't perceive the value the same way. So I think there's just a lot of things that we can do to help women and business owners really shift the way they're approaching what they're doing to have a bigger impact in everything that they do. Right. And it's interesting that you said that about packaging products because that was one area that I didn't really understand when I first started out. I thought I had to have a different product for my one-on-one -on -one coaching business versus my workshops versus my you know, group training and my mastermind. And essentially, once I learned how to create a blueprint and you know, package all of the, the, um, the products and mm -hmm. offerings into a full blueprint and have certain outcomes for each and what people are going to gain from them, I was able to take that and use the same blueprint for my one-on-one -on -one coaching, for my workshops, or my um, mastermind programs. It's just how deep you go in each of those um, areas. And they're all based on lessons uh, that I've learned in my life and the stories that I've um, learned uh, over mm -hmm. time. I'm basically packaging up that information and sharing it with others um, through these various means. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not like I have to spend a, a ton of time creating all these new products. It's just really tailoring it to the audience, but the same messages are delivered to everyone. And that's something that I wish more entrepreneurs understood or got help to understand because I think that they're spending so much time trying to create all these different things when when you have them aligned, they flow beautifully, and you actually have things that people can step into or decide at what level they want to work with you without having to create um, all different, different products and programs. So um, thank you for, for sharing that. As we kind of wind up our time together, I can't believe it's gone so fast, I'd love to have you spend just, um, just a, a minute or two and share a tip or talk about, because I know you're passionate about it, how entrepreneurs like yourself um, can really nurture their prospects and clients to help them build their business. Oh, I'd love to because I think that one of the most valuable lessons I've learned ever is the value of feedback and being able to leverage feedback to your advantage. And I, for one, will tell you I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I never like getting feedback <laughs> about myself. Um, but until I learn the value of it. And so mm -hmm. um, I, um, it is so important to understand how the feedback, getting continuous feedback, will help cultivate the desires that you want and the outcomes, but you can also use it to correct the ones you don't want. Mm -hmm. So listen to your customers, you know, build some feedback loops and do surveys or focus groups or whatever, figure out a way to serve them and 
the rest will come. You know, if you serve them and you listen to them, they're going to be you know, yours forever. Um, and it not only applies with your clients, but applies with your friends, your family. You know, I, I learned a question. Um, actually, Jack Cantle taught me this question that I use in, with my clients and I use with my, my family and my kids. It's um, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, how am I doing? That's it. And then they say 8. And then you say, well, what can I do to make it a 10? Mm. And that just opens the communication. And that simple question I've used with my clients, with my children, and honestly, my, my, he was 10 at the time when I asked him this question. He gave me some real honest feedback, which I had to make a change. It was, I wish he wouldn't travel so much. I was traveling a lot with my old job. This is one of the questions I had asked right before I quit the corporate world because I was working and traveling so much. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, I just realized that as I'm speaking to you that that had an impact on I had to make a change. Mm-hmm. So it's incredible what well, you can you do with feedback. I, I love that because what it makes me think of, and I, I know I went through a transition because people would give me feedback or they'd say if they didn't like something, and I took it very personally because, you know, we work so hard, we try so hard to make things perfect as women. But what I've learned to do is take a step back and say, you know, what does this mean? How can I look at it? How can I maybe do something differently? There's, you know, there's a kernel of truth in every piece of feedback, and I think there's a message. We're hearing it for a reason, and it doesn't mean you have to change everything, but, you know, you can, you know, the first time just kind of take it in. If you hear it again, there's really something to that. If you, as Sandra always says, if you hear it three times, it's significant and you need to take action. And I think a lot of times we discount it saying it's not us, it's them. But when you start to hear things over and over again or things come up, we need to really pay attention because the messages that we need to hear are right in front of us. But we often ignore them because we think that we know everything. So I love the, the tip that you gave and um, I love that, that question, um, how am I doing? I'm going to have to, um, to try that. So this has been a great conversation and I thank you so much for your time. How can our listeners connect with you and learn more about you and what you do? Um, they can connect with me on my website. It's www.qtessential.com. Um, and I have access to um, all of the information we shared, my business, uh, the products and services. And also I just um, launched my first book. It's called Success University for Women in Leadership. And you can download a chapter of my book on my website. Wow, that sounds interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Thank you so much for your time today. It's really been a great conversation. Um, I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it too. We need to take another real quick break, and when we come back, it's our business builder, so stay tuned. This is John L. McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system 
can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. Are you a coach, speaker, or author who would like to finally earn what you know you're worth? Would you like to create a life that gives you more time to do the things that you love? Entrepreneurs like you hire us to turn their knowledge into a full range of scalable products that earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live the life others only dream about. With our done-for-you approach, we do all the heavy lifting, creating the right products for you, your clients, and your business. The potential is limitless. If you want to leverage your time so you can earn more while working less, visit us today at TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com and find out just how far your knowledge can take you. You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Michael McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. As always, I'm here with Janelle, and in our Business Builder segment today, we're going to be talking about the importance of stories. I love listening to other people's stories, and I know I'm excited about today's conversation because I sometimes get challenged with making sure I'm using the right stories, but I know that they're so important. So I'd love to have you just start by sharing, Michael, how do we know where we need to put stories and how do we know we have the right stories? Well, you know, first and foremost, stories really create connection between you and your audience. And it, again, it doesn't matter um, if it's an audience that you're speaking to, if it's an audience of clients that are in your course or uh, any other situation. Um, really, they, they help you create connection with the person that you're talking to or the people you're talking to. Um, you know, if you think about it, humans have communicated over millennia through stories. And it's really, it's been true in recorded history, and it's still true, true today. Because if you think about it, even, you know, TV commercials, um, most of them are really just stories. That's all they are. But they're stories that sell a product or service. Um, and if you can tell a good story and connect with your audience on an emotional level, then they're much more likely to remember you for a long time. I think that's true. And the thing that I keep thinking of when you say that is really making sure and having a story that engages people, that draw them in. And stories can be a great way for people to see how what you're sharing can actually apply to them. If they see themselves in your story, it really can make a big difference. Yeah, it really does. It really helps you create connection with them. Um, and then, you know, the, the second thing that it does is no matter how dry a topic you're talking about, if you've got good stories in there, um, it'll still keep people interested. Um, and if you switch that around, um, if you don't have good stories, it doesn't matter how compelling your topic is, they're going to lose interest. They're just, their mind's going to start to wander. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been in a situation where you're maybe attending an event 
And um, I know I've had this, I'm taking notes, the speaker's going along, and all of a sudden I realized that, I, well, I wasn't taking notes, I was actually thinking about uh, the stuff I needed at the market, or I was thinking about something I was gonna do when I left the event or whatever, because the speaker had kind of lost me. They didn't have good stories in, involved. They, they had a lot of charts and a lot of graphs, but it wasn't really making an emotional connection with me. And I think that's important to do. I think it's important to draw people in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you're, you know, a lot of people will tell you, and I think it's pretty true that you have eight to 10 seconds to engage with someone when you start to talk to them. So as a speaker, you get up there, they uh, introduce you, you get on stage and you have about eight to 10 seconds to engage with the audience before they start to lose interest. And so that's why it's so important to start with a story or have some compelling stories throughout your talk um, or throughout your course or whatever it is to keep them engaged and really make that connection. So do when someone's telling a story, does it have to be something that they personally experienced? No, it doesn't. And in fact, I think that it's really good to always have a mixture. Um, it's great to have your own stories because that shows um, that you have experience. It shows your expertise. It really helps them engage with you personally. But I think it's also important to have um, stories that you've heard from other people because that shows some universality to whatever it is you're talking about so that it's not just you. It's not just them, the listener, that, oh, this happens to other people as well. And that this is a challenge for a lot of people. Uh, and your story really helps make that emotional connection with you and also with the, the issue as a whole. So how does someone know if a story is going to be engaging or going to pull people in? Some people might say they don't have very interesting stories. Well, you know, it's... It's not so much that the story's not interesting, at least in my view, it's the, it's the telling of the story has to be interesting. And so, you know, to say I don't have any stories, and I have, have met clients from time to time and say I don't have any stories. And, you know, I guess my thinking is, well, you know, you're 40, 50, 60 years old, however old you are, and have you done nothing in your life at all? And the answer, of course, is, well, no, sure, they've done some, some things in their life. Well, then you have stories because everybody who actually has lived a life has stories. It's just a matter of how you tell them and finding the stories that have universal appeal and also engage and are uh, relevant to the point you're trying to make. Well, and I've heard you ask people when they say, well, I don't have any stories, really asking some real good engaging questions tell me about a client that you've loved working with tell me about a client who had phenomenal results you know if someone is stuck what did you do to move them forward and i know that so part of it i think is shifting the way we think when we're looking at stories and asking some good questions. Have a conversation with someone and record the conversation because when you're talking one-on-one, -on -one, we do tend to share a lot of stories that we probably don't even think of when we actually go to um, put together a keynote or put together training. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right that, that um, I, I do tend to ask sort of engaging questions. And you might start thinking about these questions for yourself, you know, about how you actually have engaged with clients before. How, what kinds of things have clients told you that have been successful? And how could you weave that into a story? Just think about your everyday life. Um, you know, I think in a previous um, business builder, we, we talked about the analogy of if you don't have a car, uh, then, you know, a basic economy car is, is great for you. You don't need a Ferrari. Well, that's a story. Okay, so, so think about in your everyday life situations that you've had that relate to some of the issues that maybe your clients are having. And how could you meld those two together into a, a really interesting and engaging story? So once you've got your stories, how do you actually add that into your course or presentation? Is there a formula on how to do that? Well, yeah, absolutely. There is a formula um, and there's a little bit of art as well, but there is a formula. And that's, you know, one of the reasons you want to work with uh, a company that is expert at creating products and services as you're doing that. So um, a company like Turn Knowledge to Profit, we do that all the time and we are able to get those stories from our clients and, and incorporate those into their offerings. Um, you know, first you want to make sure that the story supports the point you're trying to make. And uh, I know that may seem obvious to a lot of people, but you'd be surprised how many speakers don't get that basic rule. They, they tell you, and maybe you've had that experience if you think back to talks that you've been to where they tell a really interesting story, but at the end you're kind of saying, well, that was interesting, but I'm, I'm not sure how it relates to what you're talking about. And so you were, you were enter that's more what I would call entertainment. That's not actually teaching you anything. And so you want to make sure that they really support, you know, what you're trying, the points you're trying to make. And that's why, you know, another tip I could give people is um, the same thing that we do. When we're creating a presentation or a course or an offering for a client, we don't add the stories until the very end. It's one of the last things we put into the finished product. And, uh, you know, I do have specific spots where I'll put a, a placeholder that says, you know, story here or uh, make sure that we put a story, you know, ask client about a story for this spot here. But I don't actually add the story until the end because I want to make sure that the story really reinforces the point that's being made. And I don't know fully what the point is going to be until the course is put together and everything flows together. Well, when you were talking about that, um, and I'm going to probably get the word wrong, but it's edutainment. Is, yeah, somebody, somebody is, used that term. It, yeah. Where you're yeah. combining education and entertainment. Right. And I think it's important to do both. And I know I've heard presentations where someone tells a story and it's like, okay, that's a nice story, but what am I supposed to do with that? Or how do I apply it to what I'm doing? I don't think, think it's really important when you're telling stories to watch the audience. Are they leaning in? Are they looking at you? Are they kind of on the edge of their seat? Or are they sitting there looking down on their 
cell phone, checking text yeah. message, and you know, checking email. Are they really engaged? Because if they are, they're going to want to know what's coming next. And I think that's really important. Yeah, it is. It's really important. And that's a great tip to always look, be looking at the audience um, and, and really seeing how engaged they are. And the other thing that I can say, it's always also a tip is to make sure that, uh, you know, there's, there's a, uh, as you said, there's a formula to telling a story or, or what story you should use. There's also a formula for how the story is structured. And you want to make sure that you, again, uh, engage with some uh, company or some coach or whoever it is that really understands storytelling. Um, but you have to set a context for the audience. You have to make sure the points are clear. You have to give them a background. Um, a, a lot of times what I see um, new storytellers or, or, or coaches or speakers that are trying to incorporate stories into their, their offerings, I see them um, do something I call speed thinking. So since they lived the story, they sort of cut to the end without including a lot of the upfront stuff. They speed think through the story assuming that their audience will understand it. And a lot of times their audience doesn't understand because they haven't been given the context. They haven't been given the background. They haven't been given the setup for the lesson that's coming later in the story. That's so true. And I know that um, you often accuse me of speed thinking because I've been there, done that, experienced it. I, you know, I don't stop to think about, okay, what details does someone know if they weren't there? And this is a great discussion. And I would invite all of our listeners to go to Turn Knowledge to Profit Facebook page and share where do your stories come from? And what challenge do you have to maybe decide what story to use when you're putting together a talk training or you really want to go ahead and share an example with the result because there is an art to it and once you master that it will make a big difference in the results that you get so we look forward to hearing from you talk to you next week you know, this has really been a great conversation. I want to thank all of you for joining us today on Turn Knowledge to Profit. Again, I want to remind you to visit our Turn Knowledge to Profit page on Facebook and share your questions, your insights, and your ahas. And also share one action you're going to take in the next week to turn your knowledge into profit. If you have an idea for our future show, be sure to email me at michael at tk2p.com. That's michael at tk2p.com. Have a wonderful and profitable week. Turn knowledge to profit, where entrepreneurs like you find the insights, experience, and tools they need to earn more, make a bigger impact in the world, and create the freedom to live a life others only dream about. Join us each Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time on the EWN Radio Network. To download this week's show, listen to past shows, or learn how to be a guest on the show, visit TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com. Past shows are also available at EWNRadioNetwork.com and through iTunes and Stitcher. Until next time, remember, great companies are built around great products. Leverage your knowledge to live the life of your dreams. Let's continue the conversation and turn your knowledge into profits.